Hello and welcome to Five Alive. It is a weekend curfew lockdown in Mahali, and we are enjoying with our family devotion uh, this morning. And welcome you, and thank you for joining us. We are reading from the book of John. We're reading 10 verses. John chapter 7, verse 14 through 24. About the middle of the feast, Jesus went up into the temple and began teaching. The Jews therefore marveled, saying, How is it that this man has learning when he has never studied? So Jesus answered them, My teaching is not mine, but his who sent me. If anyone's will is to do God's will, he will know whether the teaching is from God or whether I am speaking on my own authority. The one who speaks on his own authority seeks his own glory. But the one who seeks the glory of him who sent him is true, and in him there is no falsehood. Has not Moses given you the law? Yet none of you keep the laws. Why do you seek to kill me? The crowd answered, You have a demon. Who is seeking to kill you? Jesus answered them, I did one work that, and you all marvel at it. Moses gave you circumcision, not that it is from Moses, but from the fathers. And you circumcise a man on the Sabbath. If the Sabbath, if on the Sabbath a man receives circumcision so that the law of Moses may not be broken, are you angry with me because on the Sabbath I made man's whole body well? Do not judge by appearances, but judge with right judgment. All right. Well, thank you for reading that. Wonderful job. Um, there are two things that I really wanted to bring out of this passage of Scripture today to us, and um, uh, they're, they're basically this. I'll just go ahead and say them right now. They're authority, and they are, uh, and it is right judgment or discernment. And that's what I really see Jesus addressing here when he's talking with the people, when he's talking with the religious leaders. He talks about authority and the authority that he has, and Jesus is very open about who gives him his authority. He says it's the heavenly father, my heavenly father gives me authority. And so, the, and together we created the heavens and the earth together. We created the world together. We've done all these things. And so therefore I have authority because I have the authorship of life. I am the creator of life is what Jesus is basically saying here. And, um, and, and the people don't really like that. They, they kind of reject him claiming the authority that he has. And so I have a few examples of other times that this happens. And so I just, I just kind of want to um, uh, uh, read them. So if someone can stop a disease with a prescription drug and or surgery, we would say that they have a type of authority over it, like a doctor, a doctor or a nurse who has the ability to draw blood, do testing, etc. We say, wow, this person who practices medicine has authority to perform brain surgery or heart surgery or or uh, maybe even uh, cure COVID-19. Uh, if some, Secondly, if someone gives you uh, a job, they have the authority to give you a job description, to give you compensation, and they also have the authority to stop you uh, from being employed with them anymore because they are your boss. And uh, an, another one is if you give birth to a child, uh, that's obviously for women, uh, um, but husbands also, if you have a child, uh, you have the authority to raise that child. And if they get into trouble, you as a parent are responsible. 
If the child is hungry, you as a parent are responsible to feed them. And if the child needs clothes, you as a parent clothe them. And the child obviously needs a place to sleep at night, a roof over their head. And you as a parent have the authority to provide those things for them. You have the authority to check, uh, um, to check on the child, to take away their mobile phones or their devices to do room inspections. You have the authority to stop them from going places you don't think they should go. And you can make them go places that you think that they should go to. Um, we have authority um, as parents over our children. And we and we can't uh, uh, you know, try and get away from that. And, and I know so many times that we do because what we try and say is, is oh, I want to be my child's friend or something like that. However, let's go back over these three things. Um, just because the doctor has authority to perform brain surgery doesn't mean that he's not going to face a malpractice suit at some point. People are going to disagree with his authority at some point, and somebody's going to go to a lawyer, and they will more than likely sue a doctor. I was talking to a friend of mine here in Mahali at Fortis Hospital once who is a physician, and he said he was dealing with a malpractice suit against himself, and, and, and he was like, all doctors nowadays, basically at some point or another, are going to have a lawsuit. Somebody is going to challenge their authority. Um, employees question their employers every single day. I mean, it doesn't matter. The boss is always questioned. He is always asked, why did he make that decision? I could have done things better. Uh, if he would have asked me if I had more power, the employee is always challenging the authority of the employer. Children are disobedient and they question their parents on every decision. Maybe not every single time, but children definitely question their parents on decisions they make. And I mean, I can remember times that I have asked for uh, something to be done. And in my sentence of request, I have given the reason why I need that done. And the child of mine would still say something like, well, why do you want me to do that? And so I just repeat, hey, this is what I said, not always kindly, but sometimes I'm a little frustrated. I'm like, hey, I told you when I asked you to do this thing. And, and, uh, and so that happens. Children disagree with their parents' authority. And sometimes children even jump to assumptions on what their parents are going to decide. And they make a decision based on that, whether to withhold information from their parents or to maybe even lie about something so that that way they can get away with doing what they want to. So that's another way that children can even challenge authority. And again, I was guilty of this as a young man. And so why do we do this? Why do we fall into the category of disagreeing with those that are in authority? I have found myself in a position of authority on numerous times, and I've found myself on the other side where I have had to submit to somebody's authority, and I have been just as guilty of not always submitting to the authority of the boss or, or of the person that is in authority of a situation. So, but I, wanna, I just want to talk about that briefly or however long, why do we challenge authority or why do we find ourselves at odds with people who are in authority over us? What is it that drives us to question them or to disagree with them or to do things our own way? All right, here's a follow-up question. Why do... Um, 
why do we find ourselves at odds with the boss? Or why do we find ourselves at odds with mom and dad's decisions? I guess it's the fact that as we grow older, um, especially people say teenagers are awful and that they're really well, moody and they want to make, do everything their own way. And me as a teenager sometimes do want to do those things. But the reason is we just want to grow up. We want to be in control of our own lives and do things on our own. We don't want to be babied and coddled anymore because we're trying to learn and grow and do things on our own and make our own mistakes. And some of us know that if we do make a mistake, we can always turn to our parents to help us out. And yeah, same with, I think, doing going to work and stuff like that is the boss is someone over you and you want to be over yourself. You don't really want to be under the control of somebody else. So you try and undermine the authority over you. Okay. That's great. Good insight. Yeah, um, challenging one in authority, maybe you just don't agree with that person or um, I don't like my authority because they are not smart enough. Maybe I feel like I'm smarter than they are. So therefore, I'm not going to listen to what they have to say because the way I've been doing it is fine. And so they have nothing to pour into me. So we can continue an attitude like with that. Um, sometimes I don't like authority um, because there's no follow through um, or oh, there, there good, is yeah. a uh, inconsistency um, saying like, you know, like if there's just like an unexpected meeting that you weren't planning for yeah. and the boss comes in and was like, all right, well, you thought you were getting off early today, but there's an unexpected meeting that's happening today and you already have appointments lined up to, you know, go to the doctor and or to the dentist or, you know, to pick up your child early from school. Um, maybe your child's sick. And that causes such a frustration and an irritation of yeah. an unexpected um, meeting per se. And then you go and you show up to the meeting. You've arranged, you know, you found out about that meeting in the morning and you've made all the arrangements to stay for that meeting. You go to the meeting and it's canceled. And then it's like, seriously, I just rearranged my whole entire schedule for this meeting to be canceled. So therefore there's that inconsistency. So those things start to build um, a dislike for the boss because it leads back to that inconsistency. So, yeah. so those are challenging moments of, of what, what to do and how am I going to respect the one that's in authority over me? Because it's really, it's a mind it's a mind issue, yeah. and I know the mind goes into the heart, but it's really how is my mindset going to be in that authoritative right. um, situation? And knowing in return that even I, as a human being, can even do that to others. Sure. I can even be an in inconsistent in someone's life. I can be an inconsistent of, hey, we're going to do this. And I can teach my children of, hey, let's be flexible. Let's be flexible. You know, flexible is the key word when it comes to a family. And in uh, and, and, and it is. Flexibility is huge. And it is, I know for me, teaching my children that um, being flexible is, uh, it helps the mindset of things are going to change. People are going to have unexpected meetings and and in that moment, it's okay. I need to be, I need to choose to be flexible here. Mm. So. Okay. And Mallory, you have anything? No. 
All right. I didn't bring this up because I don't want to open like a really bad can of worms. But politically speaking, sometimes we challenge the person that's an authority over us, say our prime minister or our president or our king or our dictator, whomever it is. And we challenge their authority stating things negatively about them. Sometimes, I mean, if it's a dictator, obviously we're not going to be too vocal about it because we'll be put in jail. But, um, but in general, sometimes we get into that position too, where we challenge the authority of what policies are out there or what people think um, policies should be instead, or my rights as a citizen of this country. Um, and, and so we challenge those authorities, don't we? Yeah. And so, uh, so we're always looking at authority. So now let, let's, let's kind of change this a little bit to the scripture we were reading today. And that is Jesus's authority is challenged. In other words, God's authority is being challenged here. And so why do we question God's authority? Why do we find ourselves? I mean, he's not an inconsistent God. Um, Blair was bringing up those inconsistencies that we as human beings can can cause problems with so often. Um, uh, Xavier brought up the fact that we're wanting to grow and we're wanting to take on our own um, position of of growing up as a teenager, becoming an adult, and 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 then there's just the idea of sometimes if somebody challenges my um, my personhood, my authority, or who I am as a man or as a woman, um, and I think that they're mistreating me, uh, I'll throw down, you know, um, uh, some kind of, of, of funk, uh, some kind of word, uh, some kind of uh, disagreement, some kind of uh, hate speech, if you will, um, um, in order to try and get things back on my side so that I look like I'm the person in authority. And so, when it comes to God, why do we challenge his authority? I mean, here's a few things that I just kind of put down in notes that we will, um, we will do when we question God. We'll say, but my plan, God, was to, and why did you have to interrupt that? Or I wanted to do this. Why did this have to happen? Why did it have to happen to me? I'm a good person. There's no reason it had to happen to me. That's just the way God made me, and I have no control over who I am. Sometimes when we blame God or question God, we use ourselves, and we try and say, well, God made me this way, and so there's no way that I can um, be molded into the shape of what he wants me to be because he pre-made me this way, and so I can't change. I can't be flexible. Um, Or how about this? I don't understand why you had to allow this to happen. Um, sometimes we will be seeking the Lord in a certain area of our life and God will say, be patient, wait, pause. And our questioning or our question of his authority is to say, well, when God will win, God will win, God will win, God. And we act like the, uh, our kids in the back of the car, uh, uh, our kids fortunately don't do this, but uh, I mean, other than when we're playing around, but um, uh, when we're driving somewhere and we're going for a long distance, they'll say, well, when are we going to get there? And, uh, and, and they, don't, they don't say it to, our kids don't say it too often, but I mean, I know that is a, a common joke of, well, when will we get there? When will we get there kind of a thing? And so I, I, I pose that question, why do we question God's authority? Why, why do we find that we that we have the right to stand up to our creator, our maker, and say, I don't agree with you in this stance, God. You did this wrong. What makes us believe that we have that kind of right or authority over God? 
Um, I would say there's a misteaching in church um, or misteaching on a podcast, misteaching on a internet website search, a misteaching on a blog or a Facebook post, um, misteaching, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. (laughs) And when we're looking for hey, what does the Bible have to say this? We do go to those links of resources that are widely available to us in the technology realm and and world, but we have to decipher what's right, what's wrong. And all along, the Bible is right there. And once again, it's on the internet. Now, which Bible do I choose? Do I go to Bible Hub? Do I go to Bible Gateway? Do I use you version? Do I, you know, what version of the Bible am I reading? And so once again, there is that whole technology world and realm of, so when I'm sitting down and reading God's word, it's in those moments where we do pray and ask God for discernment. We ask God to open our eyes uh, to the reading of his word yeah. and uh, speak to us. And that does, that takes, that takes time. It takes a lot of prayer. It takes meditation and um, an application, applying God's word to, to, to life circumstances. Um, why do we challenge the authority of God? Uh, men and women want to be seen as God and ask the human not to go to God in prayer. So when one's placed in an authority um, uh, over teaching God's word, that man or woman wants to be valued as how I want the people I'm speaking with to come to me. And if they come to me, then I feel like I'm superior and I am God, Mm. as as opposed to pointing the people that we're speaking into or the ones that we've been um, available to speak to at a conference of saying, hey, I'm going to point you right back to Christ Jesus, our Savior. Mm-hmm. And um, here are some scriptures I would encourage you to read and meditate on and even give an application point mm-hmm. of a teaching point of this is what worked in my life. Yeah. Granted, your situation is different, but maybe you could look at the scripture in accordance with what you're going through. And and yet again, it takes time. It's not a quick instant fix. You know, you have to be a studier of God's word and a doer of God's word um, in order to see God for who he is. Uh, why do we challenge the authority with God? We look at life of God is working for us. Well, he created me, so obviously he's given me a reason and a purpose to be here to do it for him. So we're looking at God working for us, and that is not scriptural right. at all. Right. If you can find it in scripture and, and, and comment, you know, on this podcast of, but this is what the word of God says, no. I challenge you today, it, it is not in God's word. We, um, God is not working for us. So those are some of the ways that I can think off the top of my head of how we can ch- challenge the authority of God. Sure, sure. Xavier, do you have anything? Well, yeah. Um, well, going with what Mommy's point has said is even if you are a person that doesn't typically, like a person that you would call an introvert or someone who doesn't want to be 
scene or anything like that, they aren't always the safest person to choose either, like in authority. Because if we think about Saul, when King Saul was put into position, like whenever he was anointed, he hid, meaning he was timid and scared. But then once he got into the position of being king, his he had a huge ego boost. And I'm king and I can do whatever I want because all these people put me in this position. And even though he was the best looking and the one that was timid and tallest and, you know, he was fit to be king. He was a good guy. But then once he became king, his ego grew. And with that growth of his ego, he actually became a worse person. Mm. And so sometimes putting someone who in authority, who you think might be a good person in authority, will not always be who you think they're going to be. They will change as more power is given to them. Okay. Okay. So, so we have basically an insecurity uh, on the place of, of us uh, or a person that is in authority that needs to submit to God's authority. That insecurity that they have um, causes them to question God. Uh, um, Blair brought up the point of God is, if God is for us, then who shall be against us? And I mean, I can think of several latest hipster type songs that have been really blown out there in the worship scene that are always talking about, well, God is for us. God is for us. God is for us. And yet at the same time, yes, we're, we're his vessels. Uh, We're vessels of honor for him. And God is for us when we are in alignment with him, when we are serving him, when we are doing the things he's asked us to do, he's working in us that creates us with the ability to actually give to others. It's not something that we're just pouring out of ourselves. We have to have God in us to give God out to others. And if we aren't going and filling ourselves up with personal time, with personal prayer, with with moments where we're um, speaking uh, in tongues in our prayer closet, uh, and, and when we're just seeking after his face, sometimes in complete solitude and quiet, um, if we're not doing that, then we're not being filled up with who God is. And what we're doing when we're serving people, um, even though we call ourselves ministers of the gospel, what we're doing is we're serving on empty and we're giving from our humanity and not from our godliness. Um, and then Xavier brought up timidity or ego even. And and yeah, that's definitely something that prevents uh, or causes us to question God's authority because I, and I'm guilty, I'm this is probably my biggest guilt uh, or, or, or problem is, is that I feel inadequate. My inadequacy leads me to question God. And if I really know that he is my creator, then, um, and, and that he created me for such a time as this, then I'm not going to question his authority when he says, go to X and Y place and do this and this. I'm going to have security that he is the one in authority over me to go and do what he's asked me to do. But sometimes I question it. I, Matt, question it because I think I'm inadequate and why would he trust me to do that? And so my ego, either out of pride or my ego out of self-destruction, gets in the way and I can then question God's authority. Those are, those are absolutely fantastic. Um, Did you have something else? Okay. Uh, In this passage, the Jews are questioning Jesus and his authority. And um, 
and 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 Jesus brings up the part of what he's done as far as the Sabbath goes, uh, um, and he's talking about John chapter five. So we're talking a couple of verses ago when he um, is actually heals uh, uh, the the man, uh, the lame man at the pool of Siloam, and and what we have happening here is he healed on the Sabbath, and the. And the Jews are questioning his authority, and they're, and they're like, by what authority are you doing these things? And Jesus answers them, I cannot do anything on my own. I have to do it with the authority of God that has given to me. And then he goes into uh, an, another portion of, hey, Moses gave you circumcision, and, and um, not not that it's from Moses, but it's from the fathers, and you circumcise a man on the Sabbath, because the rule was eight days after a child, male child was born— Eight days after a male child was born, they would be circumcised. Well, that could, that could fall on a Sunday. So that means the priest would work. That means the parents would work in order to get the child to the priest. That means that the child would have work done on the, them. Um, and the purpose of this was a purification rite, um, not R-I-G-H-T, but R-I-T, like a ritual. It was a rite of showing purification. And... Um, and this is Jesus saying, if a purification can be done and you don't question that, then how can when I make a person's body whole and as a result of a lame man being able to walk, a lame man who has um, been uh, laying on a mat for more than 40 years, how can you question the fact that that lame man now has the ability to pick up his mat and carry it home and you call that work? And so that's, what, that's how Jesus is challenging the teachers back. Um, and so the question of Jesus' authority that the Jews find difficult, and these are just a few things that I, I see, is they, they feel challenged by Jesus, and so therefore they question his authority because his teaching is so truthful and so pure and so real that it offends them because they find hypocrisy rising within their own hearts when they hear him teach. His challenges to them are something that's so great that they don't want to be challenged because they feel like they know it all already and they want to be the influence or the power over the people. Another thing is, is that they don't want, maybe they are jealous of him healing people. Maybe that's why they're questioning Jesus's authority. He's healing people. That's not fair. I, I prayed for so-and-so and they didn't get healed. So does that mean he has more authority than I do? Well, obviously Jesus does, but that's one of those human questions that we ask. Um, Jesus said, God is his father. Well, no man can say that God is his father. That's blasphemy. He walked on water and calmed storms. In other words, he had authority over the natural elements, and they're jealous maybe even of that fact that the, the rumor is, is that Jesus was walking on water a couple of days ago, and he, he calmed a storm. How is that possible that he has this kind of authority? And instead of submitting to the authority that they see exposed before them, they question it and say, well, that's not true. That's not possible. Maybe he's just a good magician. Um, he, he parties with, this is, I wrote this in my notes. He parties with those who are hurt and outcasts. In other words, Jesus spends time with prostitutes, tax collectors, and fishermen. Uneducated fishermen are his disciples. How is this possible that he would have an uneducated fisherman or a tax collector or even prostitutes following him, and yet he not come to me? And so therefore, as religious leaders, they feel challenged that Jesus wouldn't come and ask for their help 
because they believe that they're the ones in authority. Um, maybe they even see the fact of Jesus's sinlessness and he keeps the commandments better than they do themselves. And so therefore that makes them upset because how can uh, I be a better person? Well, I can be a better person if I step on the next of those who do things better than I do. That's kind of human nature. Um, and so they see that Jesus doesn't steal. He doesn't bribe. He doesn't sin. And so uh, they they don't like that. And what they want to do is to destroy the perfect sacrifice of who God is on the man of Jesus Christ, 100% man, 100% God. And they want to expose him as what they want to say is a fake or a non-authoritative person because they want to regain that control or that power for themselves. And they would ask a question like, who in the world does Jesus think he is? Does he think he's God? Yes. Yes, he does. And so when I struggle with work, when I struggle with illness, when I struggle with family, when I struggle with the stresses of my day-to-day -day life, may I place my request at Jesus' feet. May I await his authoritative answers and solutions and not think or act like I am God and no better than him. I want to be a servant of the Most High King. And then just a few few other things that, I mean, just, I mean, these things can tear us up when it comes to our, our faith. And that is um, just looking in Exodus chapter 20, verse 3. There's a passage of scripture and it says, you shall have no other gods before me. It's the first of the 10 commandments that we, we love to fight over and say we want them in our courthouses in America or they're the thing that we try and teach others all the time. And yet, uh, as if we're more powerful than they are and they're subservient to us. And we teach people the 10 commandments because it gives what we feel like authority. And yet maybe what we're really doing is we're putting ourselves in that very position of placing ourselves before God. You shall have no other gods before me. I, I can put myself in the place of being God in front of God. And I need to evaluate my heart, my mind, and myself and say, he commands me not to have any other gods before him. Am I making myself a god? The second commandment is, is that you shall not bow down to any image or worship it, whether it be an animal or a bird or a fish in the likeness of a human or in the likeness of something from heaven. And so am I doing that? When I question authority, am I putting my iPad in the position of idol worship? Am I putting my mobile phone in that position? Am I putting my parents in that position or my boss where I would rather do what they say than to do what God says? Am I putting my spouse in that position? Am I saying, I want to please my spouse so much that I don't care what God tells me to do. I need to make sure my spouse is taken care of. Or how about my own children? Do I care for my children to the point of idolatry. These are questions that are rhetorical that we have to answer within our own hearts. What are we doing? Are we submitting to his authority or are we constantly casting idols that are um, uh, making God jealous of what we worship? And instead of spending time with him, we spend time with these idols.
these technological idols, these persons, or even, even you know, sometimes we can have a pet and that pet can become an idol. Uh, on and on and on. I don't want to just keep on naming off things because there's so many things that we can make idols. Anything that we spend more time with than we spend with God has the ability of becoming an idol. So, authority. Jesus' authority is challenged. Secondly, he says uh, right there, uh, Xavier, will you read that last verse, verse 24 for us again? Do not judge by appearances, but judge with right judgment. That, that verse where it says, judge with right judgment, I kind of want to go into that with the idea of, of right judgment being discernment. Uh, um, and so I'm going to go back and forth between those two terms, so right judgment and or discernment. Um, and what Jesus has just concluded talking about is circumcision. And circumcision was initiated by Abraham, and it was brought into the law through Moses. And because circumcision was to be observed on the eighth day after birth, it was allowable on the Sabbath. And Jesus is therefore revealing that if a right symbolizing purification was permitted, then why should a person not be made whole and or healed on the Sabbath, i.e. purified in health. And this was from the expositor's commentary of the New Testament. Another commentary I found said judgment in this verse is therefore um, uh, looking at people's superficial pronouncements on Jesus's work and that he desires for them to be more objective. Um, and judgment based on the Holy Spirit, uh, discernment, moral, and theological t- context, as well as being obedient in faith. And this was from the Theological Study Bible. And so let's talk about discernment. Let's talk about right judgment. What does discernment or what does right judgment mean? Like, what does it mean? Like, I can get so confused as to what that means. The, 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 the Oxford Dictionary defines discernment as distinguishing by sight or my other senses. Uh, um, but what does, it, what does it mean to you? What, do you? what do you think of when I say, be discerning or have right judgment in this position? Well, I mean, some people would think of it, as you said, with the Oxford Dictionary, is it's your gut feeling. It's that feeling that you know this is wrong or you know you need to do this because this is right. It's the something inside of you that you just feel that you need to do this or you don't need to do that at all. And, I mean, I don't know what it would be other than discernment would be led by the Holy Spirit. Yes, absolutely. Who was within us. And God, Jesus said that he gives us the Holy Spirit and the Holy Spirit is within everybody even if they haven't asked Christ to be their Savior yet, I believe, because he's always there trying to lead us towards Christ. Yes. And so him being there is kind of like what you would call your gut feeling or your consciousness leading you to do the right thing. And your discernment is actually through the Holy Spirit, but not everybody's willing to accept that God is the real answer and the reason why we have these emotions and feelings. Okay. Okay. Yeah, absolutely. Did you have anything to add, Mallory? Discernment? Um, I I have a few examples that I I wrote out myself that Xavier was right on on target with. And it's like this. I don't know why I didn't go down that pathway. Something just didn't feel right. I don't know why I stopped the car here and pulled over to the side of the road. But 
when I went home later on, I found out when I looked in the newspaper that there was an accident and I could have been a part of that accident. And yet some, something prevented me from going there. Um, what the person, uh, what that person says, this is another type of discernment. What that person says, it, it rings truthful to me. I'm going to study more about what that person said because I agree with them and, 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 and in my right judgment, in my discernment, I want to learn more about what that person's saying because I find it to be truthful. And so therefore that leads me towards the path of studying more or discovering more or agreeing with that person. Um, here's another one. That is a contradiction to what I believe and have been taught. And so I cannot agree with that person. And so my discernment or my right judgment tells me to stay away from a certain person's teachings because that person's teachings are false and contradictory to what I, I believe within my gut feeling or believe uh, because of the way I've been raised or because of the way my parents taught me or because of the way a teacher that I really looked up to taught me. Um, yeah, and, and then uh, Blair's pulling up a picture of uh, of Finding Nemo and Dory sitting there going, "Are you my conscience?" That that's a classic movie in our family. We absolutely love Finding Nemo. Um, here's another discernment moment. That's a lie, and I can sense that you're trying to manipulate me to do something for you that I don't want to do. And I and in my right judgment, it's preventing me from doing something like that. Or how about this one? Here's another discernment that. For some reason, we've just been constantly bombarded with over the past couple of weeks, and that is, please give us your money for this charity. We aren't going to tell you where the money's going. We aren't going to tell you how the money's spent. But just trust us because we're going to do the right thing with your money. And when your discernment or your right judgment gets a hold of your brain and goes, this is a scam, pay attention to it. I mean, sometimes... Uh, people even ask for money for their charity and they're just forthright telling you that they're going to use it to buy a private Learjet or a fancy car. I deserve a new BMW. No, they don't. Don't give them charity for that. That's not what they need. Charity needs to go to, monies need to go to, help aid needs to go to people who do not have a voice. It does not need to go to so-and-so to buy a private jet or to buy a new TV station. That's nuts in my this is my personal opinion and uh and and i i mean when it comes to discernment we've got to respect the teachings that have been instilled in our hearts we have got to respect the power of the holy spirit that is constantly drawing us closer to jesus as xavier brought up as a christian or not a christian the holy spirit is drawing us towards god drawing us towards jesus and even um, before we become a follower of him, the Holy Spirit is wanting to be our conscience, to be our guide. And we may not understand it fully in that moment, but that's exactly what's going on. And so um, later, uh, Jesus uh, talks about being the good shepherd. He is teaching us about right judgment in this portion of scripture. But in John chapter 10, he says, I am the good shepherd and I know my sheep and my sheep know me. In other words, he in John chapter 10, which we'll get to in a couple of weeks or months, um, he's saying, I, I, I can help you. The Holy Spirit is the helper. He will be there. He will be your guide. Trust in him. Trust his authority. And, um, and this is so important. In fact, Xavier even 
even jumped ahead of me because I have written in my notes here, discernment comes from the helper, AKA the Holy Ghost. Um, this is so important for us. And in fact, even the apostle Paul describes this and uh, sorry, I, I thought I had this pulled up in my, my iPad went um, to the wrong passage of scripture, or I put the wrong passage of scripture, and I'm sure. Anyways, um, this is what it says in 2 Timothy chapter 3, but understand this, that in the last days there will come times of difficulty, for people will be lovers of self, lovers of money, proud, arrogant, abusive, disobedient to their parents, ungrateful, unholy, heartless, unappeasable, slanderous, without self-control, brutal, not loving good, treacherous, reckless, swollen with conceit, lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God. Verse 5, having the appearance of godliness but denying its power, avoid such people. And yet these are the very things that we fill our hearts and our minds and our ears with. We watch YouTube videos of people who are disobedient to their parents or ungrateful or are treacherous or are reckless, swollen with conceit. And we think that that's going to all of a sudden make us more godly. No, the Bible says we're supposed to avoid that kind of thinking in those kinds of people. Avoid such people. Does that mean that we never become friends with them, that we never try and talk with them, that we never work with them, that we quit our job? Because, no, it's talking about the fact that we need to renew our minds daily where we seek after God, we seek after the Holy Spirit to guide us and help us and to capture these negative thoughts, these, these, undiscern these wrong judgments, and to focus on the right judgments that Christ has given to us. And so when we're walking and we're talking and we're studying and we're sleeping and we're living with the Holy Spirit as an active participant in our life, discernment is easier. Yes, it can still be difficult, because we still are at war with that human side of our heart, that human side of our mind that says, you deserve this. And isn't that a funny joke? And isn't the way that that scandal sounds, doesn't that just make you so mad? And we jump on those things and, and, and we've got to renew our mind, allowing our human mind, our tongue, and our heart to always be submitted and obedient to the cross of Christ. Luke 9.23, Jesus says this, we need to deny ourselves and take up our cross. We've got to deny ourselves and take up our cross. And, uh, and so this is what I, I see in this passage of scripture today, um, coming to, toward the end and, and, and getting ready to wrap up. Uh, and so I just want to open it back up to you guys when it comes to authority, when it comes to discernment, when it comes to this passage of scripture, is there anything else that, that needs to be added to, um, to our conversation today? Verbalize. No, not really. No? Okay. No, I, no, I think you, you hit everything on, on the spot. And ultimately that, and to chew, chew on and ponder and meditate on that verse 24 of, of John chapter 7, Jesus says, don't judge by appearances, but judge with right judgment. Yeah. And that appearances can mean anything. Yeah. And we can be so quickly to judge 
others by the appearance. You know, we may see a news flash of that person, but we do not know what's going on in that heart of that person or the background or the backstory of that of that person. So be be mindful and, and judge with a discernment as Christ would judge, yeah. not with that immediate immediate appearance. Yeah. Um, ponder. I mean, I, I, I mean, ponder, meditate, yeah. and um, make that scripture known to you inside and out of what does the scripture mean. Um, pick it apart. Mm. Yeah. And go with you said, um, you put quotes and stuff in my paces, my work. And so in my science uh, work, one of her quotes was, light travels faster than sound. So someone may look bright before you hear what they have to say. Mm. Yeah. yeah, that's a good quote. That's a good quote. And, and even as Blair was talking, it made me think of, uh, of uh, uh, a headline, negative headline especially, that's going to reach the front page. If that headline was wrong, they're going to write a retort, and they're going to say, we were wrong, and that's going to be in the middle of the newspaper somewhere where nobody can find the story. And so when they're trying to apologize for wrongfully accusing somebody, that's not going to be front page headline news. The uh, accusation is. And, um, and so, but give us that quote again, Xavier. It was, light travels faster than sound. So someone, so someone may look brighter until you hear them speak. Yeah. Yeah, that's good. That's good. So uh, uh, the two things we talked about today, authority and right judgment authority and right judgment. Jesus has ultimately all the authority. This is my fervent and wholehearted belief. This is Blair's fervent and wholehearted belief. I'm, I'm speaking for her, but she's right here. She can agree. Yes. And, uh, and, and that's what I teach my children. That's what I want Xavier and Mallory and Addison to know. That's what I want all of our podcast listeners to know, that Jesus holds the ultimate authority. And so here's a few rhetorical questions for us to ask ourselves. Have I given full authority to Jesus? Do I fully trust him? Is he my authority? And yes, those all fit within the same parameters. And yes, I asked the same question three different ways. But if you found your answer changing any, think about that. Because the final question is this, am I obedient? Am I obedient? Secondly, with right judgment, am I easily persuaded? Do I allow people to persuade me? Do I, do I um, uh, think one way today, but yet tomorrow I'm going to think completely different? Uh, am I listening to this podcast right now and I think, oh, I agree with what the Five Alive Devotion says today, but then tomorrow or later on tonight you watch something else and, and it changes your mind? Are you easily persuaded? Do I trust my uh, preservation and my feelings more than I trust the Holy Spirit? Do I trust my ego more than I do the Holy Spirit? Do I waver in my convictions? Do I have convictions for one thing one day and change that idea and, and then start following another conviction the next day? Because right judgment is going to stay solid and true. Discernment is going to be something that's going to be uh, specific today, tomorrow, and for all eternity. 
And so I just want to close with this, and then Mallory's going to close us in prayer, and it is this. Lord, renew my mind to submit to you as my ultimate authority and right judge. Judge my decisions, my obedience, and my actions and reactions today, and may I be completely compatible with you. Thank you, Jesus, for this day and for every single day and that we will all be safe from the coronavirus and that quarantine will be able to be stopped. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. Amen.